0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call us 877 337 6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL
1: on CBS live on Paramount Plus. Yankee Stadium vibe. Joining me right now. I appreciate this guy reaching out. I followed him online. I don't know when I started following him online, but he does great work. And uh, I think we'll make this more often uh, an occasion more often. Yankees beat writer from the New York Daily News. It's Gary Phillips. First time on the fan with me. What's up, Gary? How you doing tonight?
2: Hey, I'm doing pretty great, Keith. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, Looking forward to talking to Yankees baseball right now.
1: Yeah, so before we get to the Yankees, I actually had in my notes to mention this, and I saw you were tweeting about this earlier, the um, layoffs at Sports Illustrated. It's kind of crazy to just think about. You know, something I I say a lot is evolve or dissolve. And, you know, I've talked about my own experience. I mean, I've talked about the station, right? WFAN's been around since 1987. And uh, with the news of our program director leaving this week, there was a lot of chatter, but the station has evolved and Is going to continue to evolve into the future. Um, I worked at MTV and I remember when I worked at MTV, they didn't really want to embrace social media and the digital aspect of taking their linear television content and putting it online. And, you know, MTV was a cultural icon for a while and now nobody's really checking for MTV. So uh, I think back to being a kid and having sports illustrated for kids. And then when I got a little bit older, getting the actual sports illustrated and, you know, cutting out posters and, um, you know, hanging uh, different athletes on my wall, and it's crazy. I saw that news report today. I wanted to speak with you a little bit about that first before we get into the Yankee conversation.
2: Well, I'm glad you brought that up, and I kind of had the same childhood, you know, always racing to my mailbox first for SI Kids, then for Sports Illustrated. I would put the posters up on my wall. I would cut out the little bit trading cards that they had yeah. SI for kids, and so many amazing Talented writers have come through there, and we're still there despite everything that this ownership group was trying to do over the last few years to really sabotage an institution and an incredible legacy brand. I mean, the amount of either evil and or incompetence that you have to be to ruin something like that, something that should just be a money-making machine, and, you know, SI did evolve It did adapt over time with SI, you know, digital and more and more just diversity in its content, but you have an ownership group that's trying to squeeze every last penny out of a brand until nothing is left and then they just move on. And unfortunately, in the media landscape, it's not just SI, it's all over the place. You know, I sent out a tweet also saying, you know, one of the reasons that I took my job, which I started last year, is because... I don't know how many more years jobs like this are going to exist. Right. I wanted to make sure I gave it a shot while I still can. And I'm so thankful that I did. So it's a really sad you know, time for sports media, media in general. And I feel for the people that are getting laid off and you know, people in the past that have gotten laid off at SI and you know, fought for an institution that they loved and uh, just had to deal with an ownership group that doesn't feel the same way that
1: yeah, we've seen with layoffs at like ESPN and some other places that uh, the sports community they kind of band together and people get on LinkedIn and you know their contacts will try and uh, you know help those folks find work elsewhere. A lot of folks have gone to the athletic and um, you know different local papers and stuff. So I mean, I, I hope that you know most of those people that got laid off from SI land on their feet. Now let's shift to an article you wrote about Marcus Stroman. Obviously, this week. Marcus Stroman was announced. That we had the media availability over Zoom. Uh, he was at Madison Square Garden watching the Knicks. He's a New Yorker. And there was a lot of Yankee fans talking about the signing of Marcus Stroman. Some unhappy. Some said absolutely not. But uh, you know, all in all, if him and Brian Cashman could let bygones be bygones, squash their beef, it's a business. The Yankees needed pitching, and this guy has wanted to be a Yankee. I know that you wrote... Um, about some of, of the former failed Yankees like Sonny Gray or Joey Gallo. Uh, how do you think it's going to go with Marcus Stroman? you think he's going to have success here, or do you think he's going to potentially fail?
2: Well, I'll tell you what. Marcus Stroman certainly thinks he's going to have success here, and he's basing that on the pressure that comes with New York, the bright lights, you know, the fan expectations that are so high. He had a you know, bunch of quotes yesterday kind of basically saying you know, that kind of stuff makes him better and makes him more locked in and that he lives for those kind of moments. So he's certainly confident in his ability to handle the pressure. Brian Cashman said that in the Yankees vetting process, that was something that kept coming back to them over and over again, that this guy is going to be able to handle the bright lights. Now, only time will tell if that's the truth you know, a lot of players have come in and said they can't wait for the pressure and they can't wait for the weight of the pinstripes and the fans and the stadium and all that. And things haven't gone as they had hoped or the Yankees had hoped. Stroman certainly seems confident and I don't think it hurts that he grew up in the area. He's already pitched here in New York, albeit in Queens. You know, he's got a little bit of a feel and the right kind of swagger for this type of thing. So, I think there's a shot that this is a good match as, you know, unlikely as it may have seemed a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah. The biggest thing for me is that he says he's healthy, right? There's a lot of talk about the rotation, and I'm part of the talk. We're relying on three guys who were not healthy for half the year last year. The first half of the year, Carlos Rodon was out, and uh, Nestor Cortez missed a lot of time, and obviously Strowman the second half of the year. Was hurt, and you know he was an all star, and he was you know in the conversation for the NL Cy Young. Now we saw a report that Carlos Rodon is in Tampa, and he's shown up early. There was a picture that his wife put on Instagram. He looks slim down. Uh, what are your thoughts about Carlos Rodon in the second year, where everyone's saying this season hinges on him and his performance? What are you expecting out of Rodon in year two with the Yankees?
2: I think things are going to go a lot better for him. I'm not saying he's necessarily going to be an all-star like he was in the two seasons before coming here to New York, but this is a talented pitcher. I don't think anybody's doubting that. Um, Matt Blake has talked about him, you know, having a limited amount of time to get on the same page with the Yankees last offseason because of his free agency. Then the injuries in spring training, obviously, you know, made that even more of an issue. You now Brian Cashman kind of talked a little bit about the same thing yesterday, that you know, he's now been onboarded, so to speak, into the program. He's familiar with coaches, with the staff, and vice versa. They're also familiar with him. They know what to expect out of him. He knows what to expect out of everybody around him. I think things are going to go a lot better for him this year, so long as he stays healthy. And even when he is healthy, I think it would kind of be tough for him to be worse than he was last year when he was on the mat.
1: We're talking Yanks right now with Gary Phillips from the New York Daily News. Uh, Gary, there's a bunch of guys that are down there early, and I think that's a good sign. I'm scrolling through your Twitter to get the list of names, but uh, I think the fact that guys live down there or want to be there, I know Nestor Cortez is another part of the rotation, a guy uh, that I just mentioned. Let's see. yeah, I think you retweeted Justin Shackle. Shackle wrote that here's the Yankees who are working out at the team's minor league training and scouting complex in Tampa this week. Judge... Torres, Volpe, LeMayu, Wells, Rodon, Cortez, Loizaga, Cabrera, Dominguez. That's a solid group of guys that we expect to see contributing at the major league level. That shows me there is a sense of urgency. That shows me that the Yankees do know that they need to bounce back this year and win some games. What are your thoughts about guys being there a month before pitchers and catchers have to report?
2: Well, I think it's certainly a great sign you know good good on those individuals if you know that's what they feel they need to be doing i'll also add that you know just because a guy is not down there in tampa doesn't mean he's not working doesn't mean he's not preparing a lot of these guys have their own off-season training programs their own trainers their own coaches that they like to work with so i don't necessarily think you know it correlates oh these guys are urgent and the rest of the team isn't but I'm sure the Yankees like having those guys down there, especially Rodon, especially Cortez, um, after the injuries that they had last year. Oswaldo Cabrera is probably another guy that they're happy to see putting all this effort into. He was playing in the Venezuelan Winter League as well this offseason. So it's a good sign. I do think in general, especially once we get to camp, you will see and hear about senses of urgency and the need to be better than last year. Brian Cashman talked a little bit about yesterday and just you know being better than what they were and that it wasn't acceptable and that fans deserve better so i think it's certainly on the team's mind
1: absolutely i feel like it's just like a a mission statement i think there's a clear company message that hey that was unacceptable last year our fans deserve better we got to be better we got to make up for it i'm so excited to go to spring training i've been saying on air i'm just going through the motions until i get on my flight i'm going down there the last week of games I think the 20th through the 25th. When are you going down there to start covering the Yankees?
2: So I will get down there on February 13th, the day before pitchers and catchers get going. And at some point I will get a little bit of a break uh, in between. But as of right now, I'm booked for an entire spring training. I'll have to modify that at some point. And I'll be flying out of Tampa to Houston, to Arizona. So uh, quite a bit of time on the road at the back end of that.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll definitely message you. I'm trying to link up with as many uh, you know media members as well as fans. I just feel like this is a, a big year to like galvanize the fan base. I think this is a big year for people to get excited about. And I think the Yankees have done enough. Now, when I say they've done enough, I mean I'm content as of right now today. Could they do more? Sure. And Brian Cashman specifically said that they are going to look to do more. And they know that injuries can and will happen and they can improve the team until Pencil's down July 31st. So do you think there's a chance that they still make a trade or if there's like a Hector Neris signing, that could happen? I know everybody in Yankee Land saw Josh Hader sign today, five years, $95 million, with the Houston Astros, and said, oh, we, we lost out on the guy. I, I never saw a report of the Yankees being in on the guy. I think the Yankees are pretty much all set. Do you feel like they're all set with this offseason, and do you think that they can make – I don't know, a spring training trade like they did for Jose Trevino a couple years back?
2: As far as free agency goes, I'd be surprised to see another big splash. You know, they could add another piece to the bullpen. Juan Peralta, mm-hmm. Keenan Middleton, two guys who were around last year, they're still available. Uh, Hector Naris has been rooming, Robert Stephenson. You know, there's you know still a bunch of good, talented relievers who are out there um, that the Yankees Could make a push for, but I think fans also gotta temper their expectations because the luxury tax payroll is already over three hundred million dollars right now. That's a franchise first. We've heard Hal Steinbrenner talk about how he's not particularly a fan of that number, but desperate times call for desperate measures, right? I think if they're gonna add a starting pitcher, my guess would be it's through trade. You know, I like I talked a lot about Shane Bieber. Being a possibility. He's got a pre-existing good relationship with Matt Blake. The Guardians also have their financials kind of up in the air right now due to TV rights issues. That might be a name to watch. But as Cashman alluded to yesterday, it's not just the offseason. It's not just through spring training. The Yankees can make significant changes and upgrades through the trade deadline. So, I wouldn't be shocked if the roster that they have now is more or less what they roll into the season with, but you always see minor moves and even bigger ones toward the end of spring when roster crunches start happening.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm cool with them not adding another uh, free agent, you know, for 200 plus million, like a Blake Snell or trying to convince Jordan Montgomery to come back for 200 plus million. Uh, I also, you know, I don't feel like they missed out on Josh Hader. I'm just mindful of Juan Soto, right? Juan Soto is a Yankee and After he has this entire experience of going through spring training and a Yankee season, his dad's a Yankee fan. I I could tell as soon as he was traded, he embraced the fact that I'm a Yankee now. Goodbye to the Padres. Never was a national. I'm a Yankee now. He's posted on his social media, changed his social media. I think the Yankees are mindful, mindful in the fact that this guy's going to cost a lot of money. Right? Do you think that they already have an eye on next year? Obviously, you got to focus on this year and winning this year, but do you think financially they have an eye on retaining Juan Soto after 2024?
2: I think it's going to cost them a lot of money, but I also don't think you trade for Juan Soto, and I don't think you trade what you did for him as far as the package um, without the idea or the understanding that you know, there's going to be an expectation that they at least try to re-sign him. You know, maybe they don't. Maybe another bidder comes and offers more money. Maybe that bidder is in New York, you know, across town in Queens. Um, But I don't think you can trade for a guy, you know, who at the time of his free agency will be 26 on a Hall of Fame track. And, you know, it's just a generational superstar. I don't think you can trade for a guy like that without at least understanding, yeah, we got to make a run at him when he hits the open market. And, yes, we know it's going to cost a lot. So it'll be interesting to see how he does in this first and possibly only season in the Bronx. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how he responds it when he goes through a struggle and maybe fans get you know, a little vocal with him like they have with other stars in the past. It's going to be really interesting to see. And it's also going to be something that's going to hang over him and the team all year. So I'll be certainly writing a lot about him.
1: Again we're on the phone with Gary Phillips covering the Yankees for the New York Daily News. Gary, I need you to speak to something. This is something I've been speaking to the last couple of days about 82 and 80 is not the norm, right? Maybe in Queens that's the norm, it's not the norm in the Bronx. Yeah, Paul, you heard what I said. As Yankee fans, we're not used to 82 win seasons. It's a one-off and there were so many different things that I feel like Yankee fans are forgetting about last year that caused the team to lose so many games, not scoring runs, obviously injuries, mismanaging injuries. People forget like Domingo Herman's issues at the end of the year. Luis Severino couldn't get right, then he was hurt. Obviously Aaron Judge ran into the wall. Rizzo was concussed. Anthony Volpe was a rookie that we were depending on. Uh, they fired the hitting coach. They hired a hitting coach from MLB Network. Shout out to the mayor, Sean Casey. I'll see you in a bit. But I, I need you to speak to covering a team daily and understanding that Year to year, in baseball specifically, no two years are alike. And even though Yankee fans are fearful of the Baltimore Orioles or the Houston Astros or the Tampa Bay Rays, Toronto Blue Jays, they got to show up too. And I think the Yankees have done enough to improve this team on the field but also shake up the clubhouse with the personalities where there's a lot of competitive juices that are going to be flowing with the different guys that they've brought in. Can you just speak to the fact that nobody knows what's going to happen but like this is a brand new season, and eighty two and eighty happening again is very unlikely unless everything goes wrong.
2: See, I'm glad you brought up the rest of the division, because I agree with you. The idea that they're gonna go eighty two and eighty and, you know, hover around five hundred to me seems far fetched, not only because of the moves that they've made this offseason, but also because, like you said, just so much went wrong last year. Injuries, off the field distractions, you name it, the Yankees dealt with it last year. That said, the way the division is and, and the way the you know, Blue Jays are talented, the Rays are talented, the Orioles are very that talented. Now, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they're a fourth place team again. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they return to first place in the top of division. Now, I think the first four slots in the division between those four teams can go any number of ways. It's a really competitive division. Um, it's a division where you know, the Orioles, particularly at the top, have a lot of young talent, talent that you know, was at the major league level last year and is going to get presumably better this year. And then they also still have a very deep farm system where, you know, if it comes down to a bidding war for a Dylan Cease or a Corbin Burns or, you know, whoever you want to throw out there, you know, the Orioles have the farm system to outbid just about everybody, not just the Yankees. So I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic to follow. And I – do think, though, that the Yankees will you know, pull their weight a little bit more in the division this year when it comes to this rock fight.
1: Yeah, and you know what? That's why we watch, and that's why there's so many fans, and that's why you write your articles, and I host my shows, and there's so much attention around this. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens. Gary, thanks for joining us tonight. I'll be in touch. I appreciate you, man.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on, and looking forward to doing it again.
1: Once again, that's Gary Phillips from the New York Daily News. Go follow him on Twitter. I've been retweeting him. You'll find his Twitter at GaryHPhillips. And I plan on having him back on the fan. I'll probably link with him and some of the other reporters down there in spring training, at spring training. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows
0: nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.